Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it's Stu's Days. And uh, once again, Stu, uh, we're, 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 we're on Stu Wednesdays. So it's, uh, we're, we, we got to get better at this. Yep, yep. So it's, it's, it's not like the days of the week change that frequently, but we still seem to have trouble. Yeah, well, I'm. Uh, I, well, I know how busy you are, and 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 we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a in a second. I'm in the uh, the BC interior, and uh, and and talking to uh, talking to a lot of investors. It's uh, it's actually it's beautiful out here. I don't I don't know if uh, you you ever been out in this area of the world, Stu? I have it. It is. I would 100% agree with you. It is beautiful. Uh, it can be a little warm uh, sometimes in the middle of the summer, but uh, beautiful nonetheless. Absolutely. So uh, so so we, we we're sitting last night. Uh, bunch of investors and uh, and talking about what's going on in the global economy and markets and all that and 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 someone asked you know it seems like a, a pretty simple straightforward question uh, so you're you're managing you know billions of dollars in different funds and their question was you know hey what you're talking about you seem a little bit oh at, at least balanced maybe somewhat even negative on on markets right now why, Stu, wouldn't you have your your portfolio that you're managing for for clients uh, at you know 100% cash right now when you're when you're feeling down about markets and and 100% when you're really excited, zero percent when 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 you maybe think that we're in for a bit of a, a volatile ride. Why why don't you, as a professional manager, do that? Why isn't that what you do? Uh, well, it's a, it's a it's a great question um, because when you look at uh, the volatility that we experience on you know, sometimes within a day, uh, let alone over a, a week or a month, and you see all this price change, and you say, "Oh boy!" Like if we could capture all that price change, uh, we'd we'd be making a lot more money. And you know, we do have tools that try and capture it uh, to some degree. Um, but you know, the other side to that is, uh, uh, you know, if you capture if you capture each one wrong, <laughs> you end up with a lot less money, right? So uh, you know, so the way that I this is the way I think about it, and I, and I can kind of give some examples of different spots in my career. Like when I first started, I remember running, you know, spreadsheet after spreadsheet of, you know, if you bought and sold the S&P 500 on the eight-day average and the 10-day average and the 12-day average. And, and um, you know, there was certainly, uh, you know, periods of time when those types of trading strategies were, were uh, you know, created this kind of near-term benefit, but none of them really created any long-term benefit. And, you know, so that, you know, and I, and I did, I tried it early in my career. I, I, uh, you know, the computer that I had was a smoke show. Uh, I had so many trades going on you know, early <laughs> in my career and, um, and it just, it just didn't really pay off at the end of the day for all the activity uh, relative to what the index or the markets were doing over time. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of changed my uh, investment philosophy and this is, 25 years ago. And, and I looked around at, um, you know, some accounts that I thought were really successful. And the things that used to blow me away were, you know, a lot of accounts where, you know, after 25 or 30 years, the dividends that they would be receiving would be greater than the cost base. And the notion of compounding your money uh, after tax, uh, you know, became really important. Um, and, um, you know, so if I could find a good business, that would compound the money through thick and thin, and I could, you know, avoid paying capital gains or a significant amount of capital gains in any given year. Then I would have more money working for me, uh, you know, through and through. And um, you know, just 
you know, as I began to study different businesses, there's just a lot of confidence in uh, in their abilities to to um, you know to kind of perform in a variety of environments. And um, you know, the next thing that that I you know then I noticed, and, and I think we've talked about this in the past, but you know, two of the two of the articles you know that had a significant impact on my uh, on my investing career was you know Warren Buffett's article in 2000 when he said the stock market's not going to go anywhere. And that was when the stock market traded at uh, north of 25 times earnings, right? Like, you know, 28 times earnings. So, you know, one thing I think we always talk about is this notion of, of, a, of an average valuation. And, you know, I, you know, I kind of like made a note to myself, well, if, if we got to points where the 10-year return potential of the stock market was basically flat because valuation was so high, even if we got the normal earnings growth that we might get, then I would make a more significant adjustment in the portfolio. And and the same thing when, you know, his, the second article he wrote, which was, you know, in, in, in honor or tribute to Wayne Gretzky, go to where the puck will be, not to where it is. That was when stocks at the bottom of the financial crisis traded at, at 10 times earnings. And, and, and in that instance, you were getting cheap stocks plus the benefit of valuation recovery. So like we have not really seen, you know, since the tech bubble, a period of time where valuations pulled forward that much return, right? Like we've had periods where it's, it's been below average, but, you know, still, you know, not unreasonable relative to fixed income. So, you know, I kind of thought about, I kind of thought about those two things, like the first being like these quality companies just find ways to grow their business over time. And the benefits of doing that in a, you know, avoiding capital gains tax for as long as you can was, you know, a real benefit to me anyways, in, in my head. And then the second thing was this notion of, you know, kind of longer term valuation. And that's when you would make, uh, you know, a much more significant uh, movement in your portfolio. You know, the other thing that, um, you know, that I do, I do recall is, is in the financial crisis, uh, you know, we had raised a fair amount of cash uh, going into the financial crisis. So, you know, the, the second thing that you have to, you know, think about is, is are we going to have like the potential for a recession that sees earnings decline temporarily, which, you know, I think would, would, you know, possibly be in the cards right now. Um, that's very different than a recession where companies need capital at the bottom of the market. And, and, um, you know, I remember, you know, running the dividend fund and, and, you know, we were pretty certain that everyone was going to need capital. And, you know, that fall of 2008, you know, so we had, you know, call it 15% of the fund in, uh, in, uh, in cash, which was around a billion dollars at the time. And um, we, had, we managed to get about 500 million to work, which, you know, felt pretty good at the time. And as the market declined, you made money on that cash position, but we just never got it all to work. And the market ripped. It just absolutely ripped once you know, credit spreads started to narrow and the Fed started to add liquidity to the market and it ripped. It just absolutely ripped and it never really gave you a chance to get back in. And it's very, you know, like the two, the two hardest uh, things in investing are to sell a stock that's down. Like, it, you know, you, you come in, the news has changed and you're like, well, that stock's going to go down and we have to get rid of it. And the second hardest one is to buy a stock that's up, but even though you know it's changed, you're like this is fantastic, and that and that tends to happen a lot around turning points in the market where, 
you know, you have this, this, you know, kind of topping process, uh, which, you know, with the benefit of hindsight was taking place since last summer. Um, and then the bottoming process can be far more violent, uh, than the topping process, right? Like the topping process is, is one where the, the narrative changes and concern grows and then markets decline. Uh, the bottom of the stock market, you know, we have, again, we have like tools that we think that we, that we, that help us, but it, it will normally come in a very significant manner, which is around the easing of liquidity and liquidity will ease and, um, markets will respond, you know, quite favorably. And sometimes it's very difficult to put money in once markets have been strong. So maybe you take some money out and they go down and then it goes back up and it goes back through the price that you took the money out. And, you know, you find yourselves, uh, you know, having, you know, kind of tormenting yourself on, on both sides of the coin. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's a long way. I, you know, I don't know if I was fully organized in my thoughts there, but it's a long way of saying that, um, you know, the benefits of, of tax tax advantage compounding over long periods of time with, you know, stocks that are paying dividends where we can reallocate that capital to, you know, businesses that we think are undervalued when the dividends came in, you know, that just became my preferred way to manage my account from a long-term standpoint. So, and that's, and that's kind of how I go about it. And, and it's not, uh, you know, you can always look at uh, at situations and say, you know, if we'd done that, we'd done this, we could have done more. And, and that's always true. But the reverse of done this and done that is we could have had less. So uh, that's kind of how I've thought about it. Oh, that's that. And, and Stu, uh, you know, I was out I was out last night with a, a group, probably about 30 people who were who were all fans of the podcast. And uh, and one of the things that they uh, they said they love is it's just your uh, your, your sort of um, chain of thought or train of thought that you just, you just roam through. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily something that's strictly prepared or scripted, but uh, so it, so it kind of comes across as, uh, as you've got a very clear idea and a defined idea, which I, I, I know from working with you for so long, um, exactly the way you think about managing money and, and how you place your bets and, and, and take money off the table. Uh, they, they were also asking what you're, uh, what you're actually like in, in real life. And and I, I lied and said you're you're not really that nice, but uh, that, I, I was just joking. I I said you, well, you are you're 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 actually probably nicer than you come across on the podcast because you're 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 being smart on this. Well, the, the you know we pride ourselves on unvarnished opinions, Dave. So I appreciate uh, you telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, not exactly. You know, look, Stu, one of the things we talked about, and and when when I was answering the the, the same question last night with. Uh, with certainly not the same degree of expertise that, that you just answered it, but you, you know, around, and, and it did come down to that whole idea of, of, of two of the most violent moves in the market is when it bounces out of a bottom and in that last stage right before it rolls over. So we, we, we saw that last year with that big steep climb and strong returns at the tail end. And then you went back to 2009 uh, and gave that, that uh, you know, as, as I said, Go back and look at headlines the first week of March 2009. The market bottomed on March 9th, 2009, you know, really after going you know, down over a nine-year period in a, in a secular bear market. And there is nothing in those headlines that would suggest that the market was about to bounce the way it did. And as you said, it ripped. And to, to generate the above average rates of return that you generate in stocks over the long run, you've got to be there for that rip out of the bottom and you got to be there at that uh, at that rip in the top. And if you're if you're too careful, and when you're when you're when you're steering a ship 
one thing when you're when you're you're in a sports car and going around the the, the bends when you're when you're running the Titanic, uh, as you're often doing when when you're managing money, uh, it, it it's not so hard to it's not so easy to veer around uh, the uh, the the iceberg that's uh, that's in front of you, and so you, uh, you you've got to manage things very carefully and you've got to you've got to think out those moves. So going you know zero to a hundred cash full fully invested is not really what you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to get a, 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 an above average rate of return over the long haul at a given level of risk. You're, you're, you're gonna make, it's not like you're not gonna move around that iceberg, you're gonna get around the iceberg, but, but you're, 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 not gonna, you're not gonna zip and veer and go 0%, uh, 0% equities to 100% equities on an ongoing basis. That's just not the way that, as you say, that's your terminology around it, the way you build value in a portfolio over time. Yeah, like I, you know, well, first of all, I prefer Battleship over Titanic, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the second thing is, I remember in the financial crisis talking to an old bank analyst and and he said, you know, he said, these types of things will happen and these stocks will double in two weeks. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, you know, I, re I also remember very clearly being at a meeting with a bank CEO and I, I remember thinking it's over, like the crisis is over and, you know, we got more to work, but again, we just, we never got right back to a hundred, hundred cents in the dollar. So that's, that's one thing. The second thing is, is that, you know, we have a list here of criteria where we think, you know, selling is extinguished and we have another list of criteria when you kind of get that, that big move off the bottom. And one of the things on that crit on that list is uh, the number of stocks that are having two standard deviation moves on one day. And, and, um, that's, that's what they call like a bread thrust. Um, uh, and when you, and when you see it, it's, it's really something. And the second thing is it's very difficult to buy afterwards because you have memories of old prices yet it, it likely is the, the type of action that seals the bottom. So, you know, I remember, you know, I used to use the analogy of like driving by a, a used car lot and you see the cars out there and they're putting the soap on of the prices and, you know, 12,000, 11,000, 10,000, uh, you know, 9,000. And each day you drive by, you're just like, oh, baby, uh, you know, I'm going to get a great deal here. And then one day you drive by and there's no cars there. And, you know, there's none at nine, there's none at 10, there's none at 11. And now they're offered at 15. And, and that's just the way that markets function sometimes. So, you know, it's just a long way of saying that, uh, you know, I tend to, I tend to focus on those long doubling periods. Um, I tend to focus on the benefit of the last doubling period to my portfolio. And if I miss the first doubling period and I don't get the last doubling period, that is a big consequence in my portfolio. And, uh, you know, Stu, uh, anyone can go, uh, a, a, a lot of the work that you've done over the years, uh, people can go online and, and, and take a look at how it's worked. And uh, I don't think anyone can argue with the, uh, with the success you've had over time uh with with the philosophy and 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 i think i think the one thing you'd say is you're you're, you're not rigid you're still uh you you you're you're disciplined but you're not rigid to the point where you don't make you know subtle adjustments in what you do as you as you uh you get much older than when i first met you uh and 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 that contributes to to the way you think about you know each different economic downturn market pullback market top uh and and and, and you know that experience comes to the fore in what you're doing for investors every day.
Hundred percent. You know, always you're always moving a little bit at the margins on things because it it keeps everything uh, you know fresh in your head and you're reacting to things. But but the, the the prize is is the number of doublings longer term. That's the that's the big prize. That's right. That's right. So uh, Stu, um, as I say, from from all your all your fans in uh, in the BC <laughs> interior, the Weather Channel or cable must have been broken or something. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's hard to believe that a lot of people uh, listen to listen to the two of us uh, yipping away, but uh, but it, but it's 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 always nice to, uh, to to hear from people who listen and and enjoy the podcasts and uh, and 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 we'd probably keep doing it whether people are listening or not. But it's nice to know that they are. And uh, and Stu, I think it's a a big credit to you. Thank you as as always for uh, for taking the time. Great, thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management Inc for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.